On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we have a crossover chat with Tony East of Locked On Pacers all about the Pascal Siakam trade. Plus, maybe the Raptors should just keep Bruce Brown. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, January the 19th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on that website, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can join us over on the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. We'd love to see you there. It's a great little hangout community for all of the little sickos, the little piggies who love the podcast and eat it up from the trough every single day. And I call you trough-eating piggies with the most affection absolutely possible. You're all my favorite people in the world. Uh, if you like the podcast, want to subscribe, you can do that by subscribing, following, rating, reviewing all your favorite podcast apps, supporting the show that way. You can also find us on YouTube, of course, subscribe over there, hit the notification bell. And if you hit that bell, you will get a heads up every single time the show goes live with a premiere or a live show, whatever it might be. Hopefully no more breaking live trade reactions anytime soon, frankly, uh, but that's there for you if you want to go and peruse. Okay. On today's show, which is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Visit prizepicks.com slash locked in NBA. Use the code lowercase locked in NBA for a first deposit match to $100. We're talking about a loss or yeah, a loss. That's right. To the, the, the Chicago Bulls on Thursday night, second night of a back-to-back, a fun spirited back and forth game that came down to the wire. And we'll dig into a quick good, bad, and hmm on that game because the main meat of today's show is is going to be a crossover chat with Tony East from Locked On Pacers, one of my favorite dudes to chat with on the Locked On Network. And we went a uh, you know, pretty good long while talking about the trade from both sides to you know Siakam's fit with Indiana, why it's such a great fit over there, the return for the Raptors, Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, all that. Uh, but yeah, let's just rattle off a quick good, bad, and hmm from the game last night just to summarize the thoughts for completionist sake i was gonna do an episode last night and then i forgot i had a men's league basketball game during the game and had to catch it on pbr late and so uh no time to do a pod but that's fine we'll hear we're here to talk about it now the good for me from this game is bruce brown that dude rocks he comes in having landed in toronto he said around you know noon one o'clock yesterday doing all the physicals getting ready to go and he jumps in cold shades of pj tucker after a long day of travel jumping into the lineup and has a clean 15 points on seven to ten plays 25 minutes closes this game uh seven boards and assist to steal a plus 11 overall Really, really fun stuff from Bruce Brown to start. And man, does this dude just know how to play basketball? Like all-time good, knows where to stand guy. And you can see the fiber of a guy who is just like every single bit of him is excellent role player, excellent glue guy, guys who guy who ties things together. And for me, like I'll get to this in the hmm, but like there's no reason not to keep Bruce Brown 
around, but I really liked his performance. And I thought the fit with Scotty Barnes, that instant chemistry was very exciting. My bad from this game is the, I think, to be expected mistakes and turnovers from one Scotty Barnes, who otherwise was bloody freaking fantastic in this basketball game. It is a bad in title only and not in spirit whatsoever because Scotty Barnes had me feeling feelings last night with what he was doing on both ends of the floor against the Chicago Bulls. 31, 7, and 6. Three steals and three blocks, 11 of 18 shooting. This is the type of stuff that Scotty Barnes is now going to have the platform to do and is going to be asked to do regularly and pretty cool for him to do it on a TNT game, get that sort of national exposure, all that good stuff. Really fantastic stuff from Scotty Barnes. But we also saw the dark underbelly of a very young basketball team and a star player who's 22 years old and getting accustomed to that role, which was six turnovers to go with his six assists, a couple of mistakes down the stretch that led to turnovers and mispossessions and all of that stuff. Not really worried about it whatsoever. That's just par for the course when you are having a new guy get acclimated to being a clear number one without a Pascal Siakam there to support, without the defense of an OG Ananobi there sort of helping out on the floor as well. Um, you know, things are going to come for Scotty Barnes. I'm certain of it. And uh, really, really encouraging stuff, even with the turnovers, which are, again, the bad, I guess. But I didn't really feel like there was all that much bad from this game to really pull. And I'm feeling pretty good about where things head. Hated how things went with the Pascal Siakam situation. Hated how it was handled. Didn't think it was necessary. Don't love the return. But there's, it's undeniable that what lies ahead for this team is pretty interesting and exciting. And, uh, you know, Scotty Barnes obviously is part parcel to all that. He's very, very good. And he showed that very much last night. And my, hmm, I referenced it before. Bruce Brown, just keep the dude, man. I, I, I think, you know, obviously we'll see going into the deadline. I'm sure there'll be a hot market for him. Maybe they land a couple of first round picks in a player or whatever it might be. Or, or a player, I don't know, you're getting two firsts in a player for him, probably not, he's Bruce Brown, but contenders will certainly be circling the waters looking to grab him. I just think, man, you know, Masai Ujiri's press conference yesterday, yes, he did indicate, oh yeah, more moves are coming, but I also think if you listen to the whole breadth of what he said, I don't get the impression that this team is looking to tear things down all that much further. I think they view getting those picks in the Siakam deal and quickly and bear it as sort of the launch point for whatever this team can be now. And, you know, he even mentioned that we're probably not taking all those picks in the draft coming up this June. Um, I think, you know, trades coming could mean lots of different things. And I do think they've probably already moved into a mode where if an opportunity for an additive trade comes along that bolsters the Scotty Barnes supporting cast going forward, they will do that even if it's viewed as like a quote-unquote win now or buying move. I, I think the way this front office operates is if they can get a good player at a thing they at a value they deem to be good, they're going to make that trade regardless of whether the consensus thinks it's the right time to add a player of whatever ilk at a given time. Uh, I, I think Masai yesterday made it kind of seem like, you know, in the interest of getting players around, like get around Scotty Barnes to build this thing with, like they're going to be proactive they're going to be thoughtful they're going to sort of scour the market and i don't think they're just going to eagerly strip parts away that clearly fit with scotty barnes and man oh man does bruce brown ever fit with scotty barnes we saw a return of bruce brown the screening and diving center last night and scoring some buckets out of that um lots of different intera interactions between him and scotty on the floor and I think their chemistry is so obvious because they're both just really smart basketball players. They're seeing things on the same level. 
Bruce Brown is just like a, a really, really nice dude with all of the intangibles on top of just being a cool ass MFR who I'd re- like to root for the team that I like watching every night play for my basketball team. Um, I'd be cool with that. I, I just think there's got to be there shouldn't be a rush here to just move Bruce Brown because the general consensus thinks that that's the thing to do. He's 27 years old. He's on a very valuable contract, whether it's this year or next as an expiring. He is a guy who, again, fills a lot of gaps. He fits with every one of the Raptors' guard iterations that you can come up with. He fits with quickly. He fits playing with Barrett. He fits playing with Schroeder in lineups. Um, he can scale down and play the three if you need him to. Again, he can cause play as a small five on the offensive end. There's a lot to like about Bruce Brown. And for me, we've been watching this team have a dearth of guard play for years now. And now they have a surplus of it. And it kind of rocks, and I'm not exactly itching to see that taken away because guard play is incredibly valuable for player development. We've seen this time and time again, the G League in particular. If you have a really good lead guard in the G League, that is going to be conducive to development for the rest of your players. The same goes in the NBA. The Raptors were awesome at developing players, yes, because they drafted good players and you know had a good development staff, but also because like Kyle Lowry is just like a cheat code for player development or was a cheat code for player development during his time with the Raptors. Having good guards is great, and the Raptors now have a gaggle of good guards, and that's awesome, and I don't think they should be rushing to go and find the first deal for Bruce Brown. You can trade him at the draft if you want to. You can trade him in the summer. You can trade him at next year's deadline, or you can let his next deal expire, have his bird rights, and sign him up to a more team-friendly deal that's a little bit more sort of in line with what his actual marketplace is as opposed to the balloon payment he got for the Pacers last summer. Um, So my hmm is just like what they do with Bruce Brown here. It seems as though there's a little bit more sort of, I I don't know, from what I heard from Masai yesterday talking about Bruce Brown and what he does as a winning player hearing you know about Darko talking about you know all the different stuff he likes about Bruce Brown as like a cutter and the way he fits into the offense. I think there's actually a pathway here for Bruce Brown to be a part of this solution around Scotty Barnes. And to me, if you pass the fits with Scotty Barnes test, you should have a pretty good case of sticking around long term. Um, also, you know, Bruce Brown paid Jonte Porter a whole whack of money to get his number 11. Do you do that for eight games? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> really good point made to me by uh, Brett on Twitter. Uh, you know, really a, a, a smart call. Maybe that's not something that you do. If you know you're going to be out the door in eight games, maybe there's some sort of conversation being had there. I have no idea. But uh, Bruce Brown, keep that dude around. That guy rocks. All right, we're going to come back on the other side. We're going to get into our chat with Tony East from Locked On Pacers, breaking down the trade from both sides of the equation. And I hope you enjoy that. It's coming up in just one second. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. And our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting on the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. Let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Lots of different names this week going around. You've got, of course, Marvin Bagley III with the Wizards, baby. It's the Marvin Bagley renaissance. You've got Mason Plumley doing some stuff for the Clippers with Avita Zubats out. Zubats being out's really hurting me in the Lockdown Raptors Listener League, by the way. It's getting pretty grim over there. But either way, the guy I'm going to pull this week is Aaron Neesmith, someone who I really wanted the Toronto Raptors to get in the Pascal Siakam trade. They did not get him, but... With Bruce Brown gone, Neesmith is probably going to be a clear, no-brainer starter playing heavy minutes on that Pacers team and playing off of Pascal Siakam 
We know what shooters can do playing around Pascal Siakam, especially when Pascal has like space to work with. Should be lots of good looks for Aaron Neesmith in this offense as well. So his three-point percentage, maybe that's something you're looking at. Three points made, all that good stuff. Aaron Neesmith, big part of that Pacers team. And I'm very, very uh, not mad at all. I'm actually laughing that the Toronto Raptors didn't get him in the trade. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, and more, all there at eBay Motors. You can go get whatever your baby needs. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Crossover time, a blockbuster trade. The Raptors' second one in four weeks, the Pacers' first one since they got Tyrese Halliburton, Pascal Siakam, and Indiana Pacer, Kyra Lewis, Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, or Toronto Raptors. I've been talking about it alone. Sean's been talking about it alone. Now it's time to do it together. I'm Tony East with Locked On Pacers, and he's Sean Woodley with Locked On Raptors. Sean, you took out the best part of your Twitter bio without telling me, which was naps at couch. I think it's been fun for a while. <laughs> How are you, sir? Are you sleeping enough after a sad trade for the Raptors franchise? Yeah, like depression sleeps. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, it's three in the afternoon. I could like be productive, but I'm sad. So I'm going to take a sad nap. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Also at couch still, still, still putting up numbers over there at couch. But yeah, um, <laughs> Pascal Siakam drafted by the Raptors, beloved homegrown talent, all NBA level player. Beautiful Players' Tribune story this morning for those who have not read it yet. If this is out Saturday for you, go back to his Twitter feed to find it. He is I'll be reading it before Sean. my depression nap today uh, just to get me <laughs> juiced up and ready in the mood. <laughs> he is now an Indiana Pacer, Sean, which is wild to say. One, what was your reaction to the trade? And two, how do you anticipate him fitting with the Pacers? Because I've seen you among many people beating the drum that he's one of the more underrated players in the league. It feels like people talk about him different than his actual skill set. Yeah, he's like underrated both in like the national media circles and also I think among Raptors fans, it's kind of <laughs> wild. Um, it's, it's one of those rare double-edged swords of being underrated. Uh, yeah, I mean, the reaction to the trade for me, I, I, you know, it felt like it was coming. I wasn't surprised that it went down. The Shams reporting the night before was kind of the first substantial thing we saw uh, about the deal maybe coming down. And, and, you know, it made it feel kind of real that this was going to happen. And look, my sort of stance on things was I didn't think the Raptors had to do this. I think they could have very comfortably just extended him and either traded him down the line when his value would not have been clearly much worse than it is to get what they got now. Um, you know, they got three first round picks that are going to be kind of bad picks and maybe one player that they'll have around for the long haul. If that, or they'll trade Bruce Brown by the deadline. It's one way or the other. Um, so, you know, I, I think they could have just kept him around and had him kind of see what it looks with Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett and Scotty Barnes. It's a different team than it was three weeks ago. Uh, the team before the OG and an OB trade wasn't working. And I think it was right to move OG, but I think there was a, a pathway here for the Raptors to reconcile things with Pascal Siakam and keep him around. Obviously they had different ideas and they basically telegraphed their intentions from day one, you know, throughout the off season where they reportedly ghosted him entirely for the entire summer and then didn't have extension talks and then had weird veiled shots at him being selfish on media day. It was just kind of all clearly trending towards this happening. And so 
considering the circumstances they were in where I think they maybe held on too long or, you know, got too cute with the extension, not extension thing. I think they did fine considering the sort of corner they'd painted themselves into them, but that doesn't negate them painting themselves into the corner. Like that has to be part of the evaluation of this trade. Um, so yeah, like, am I thrilled with three not very good first round picks, two of which are in a draft that everyone is panned to be universally terrible? Um, and look, there will be good players, I'm sure, that come out of it, but you know, it's not exactly chock full of dudes people are very excited about. Am I happy that it's three first round picks that are going to be probably in the 20s and three guys in Brown, Kira Lewis and Wara who maybe stick around probably don't? Like, no, I, I don't think that's enough for a two time all NBA player in Pascal Siakam. And to the fit question, I think he's going to fit freaking beautifully with Indiana, man. Do I? For years on my show, and I feel like we've talked about this in crossovers in the past, I have been pining for the assemblage of a Pascal Siakam, Miles Turner front court. Miles Turner was like my Moby Dick. Like, just get that dude on this team with Pascal Siakam somehow, and that is going to be a front court that cooks. And now, you know, in a weird turn of fate, you get that happening in Indiana. I think that's going to be a killer front court duo. The spacing that Turner is going to provide and just like the general amount of space that the Pacers provide is going to be like a whole new world. Siakam's going to be stepping into a different planet when he walks on the floor with the Pacers. He's been playing inside a phone booth with the Raptors for years with a lack of <laughs> shooting. You know, teams, there were some clips going around yesterday of Siakam on offense for the Raptors where there were literally five opposing defenders in the paint surrounding him on <laughs> numerous possessions from, from over the course of the last handful of years. It was a pretty recurring theme and he still made it work. He's having an incredibly efficient season. He's got 60% true shooting. He's like a two point machine. He's shooting like 58% on twos. His three point shot has been waxing and waning, but it's been waxing big time over the last month or so. He's just going to fit so wonderfully on this team and the best players the best player type for Siakam to play with has always been a pull-up shooting guard. Uh, you know, there were some good moments with Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, two-man game back in 2019-20 was instant buckets. The Raptors were the number two clutch time team in the NBA that season, and they basically did it by running Siakam, Lowry, or Lowry-Siakam inverted pick and roll all season long, and they were nails. And so him and Tyrese Halliburton, the space he's going to be working with, the fact that Halliburton doesn't have to do everything as a creator anymore, I think on offense in particular, yeah. it's going to take the best offense in the league and make it even more potent and hard to stop, and I think more playoff-proof as well, which I think is a really important thing. Yeah, the, the Halliburton part I'll get to in just a second, but you nailed the lead of this that I think is so fascinating. Sam Amick reported this. I don't know if you read this, mm -hmm. but like, Siakam has talked about that the top two guys he would want to play with to fit with him in a front court. One was Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. uh, duh, he's, he's pretty sure. good. And two was Miles <laughs> Turner of yeah. like every player in the league, which is crazy to me. But they are a very natural fit in the front court in terms of the spacing, the defense. You know, Turner can de defend at a level that apparently Siakam really likes. He can stretch out the lane. Miles Turner went on the record talking to Sam Amick this week in Sacramento, which was fantastic. But I think that is really fascinating. One, that he's mm -hmm. thought about that already. And two, that it's now a thing that his dream front court partner is now on his team, especially because, hey, they have to resign Pascal Siakam in four, five, six months whenever they, they have to <laughs> do that. I don't care about math right now. But I think that's a fascinating part of this is that what he views as the best fit for him and his skills in the front court is now his running mate there. And you just mentioned it. I think Caitlin Cooper, the, the 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 goat, the way she described it is like he's a piece of paper. He just fits through like every gap on yep. the floor with the basketball. And now the gaps are going to be enormous. You could drive a yeah. car through lots of them with Miles Turner and Tyrese Halbert on the floor. Thing two you nailed is I, I don't want to step on Kyle Lowry's toes. Amazing player. Um, sure. 
would you say that Tyrese Halliburton's the best passer Siakam's ever played with? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Scotty Barnes has a case, <laughs> but Halliburton is a way more refined, you know, lead creator at this point, right? Yeah. Like he's just it, and man, the hit ahead stuff, like get ready. <laughs> Pascal Siakam has made a name as like one of the best transition finishers in basketball, going even back to his first season as a rookie where he started because of a freak injury to Jared Sullinger. Uh, he started the first like 40 games of his career God. and basically only ran the floor and finished hit ahead passes from Kyle Lowry, who was doing his best <laughs> Jalen Hurts cosplay the entire time. It was awesome. Um, and, and like wow. that has always been a Siakam thing. He has been just devastating as a transition finisher his entire career this year, working with Scotty Barnes in particular, like those two running the break together was instant buckets. And I think it's going to be very much the same with Halliburton. Like the, the offensive fit, I have zero questions about, oh, but Pascal doesn't shoot threes at 38%. Who cares, man? He does everything <laughs> else incredibly well. And, you know, he can still knock down a corner three. He can do that stuff. But I think the way he's going to suck defenses in is going to just benefit everyone working around him. And you're going to get like a way like a way higher volume of catch and shoot stuff for Halliburton. You're going to get a way higher volume of catch and shoot stuff for Heald. Like it's just going to be this amplifying effect to all the shooting they already have on this team yep. to have someone who can plunge into a defense and score and also play make from that spot. Siakam has been like a five assist guy, you know, for the last like four or five years. He's a really underrated playmaker as well. It's just such a clean, awesome all my offensive points. fit. <laughs> my points. Yeah. Okay. The shooting's funny. He's like what thirty four and a half percent the last six years of his career. Like, that's yeah, fine. he's like a slightly that's below fine. average three point shooter in the net, right? That's like fine. he'll have up down up seasons up and down seasons. And he's like forty percent the last two months. Something mm -hmm. crazy. Um, he's gonna. This is hilarious, but this is just the Pacers roster. He's the worst shooter in their rotation now. Yeah. Right. Like he doesn't need to make that many threes. Um. But you nailed it. He's still efficient because he makes everything inside the arc. I think he's at like 77% at the rim this season, which is like yep. a fake. That's a fake number, right? That's not like an actual thing. Um, yeah. And the thing, okay, there's two things we have to get to before we get to the Raptors side of this. One is I think his biggest contribution in terms of being a creator is when Halburn's not in the game, right? Like obviously mm -hmm. they're going to pair well. 100%. And, and him scoring next to Halburn is going to be like a cheat code, but they already have the best offense in the NBA. <laughs> like there's only so much you could add to that. Mm -hmm. But when Halburn's off, I'm having another guy who's like, like if they stagger those guys, they're guaranteed to have a good offense all the time. And I think that's really significant. So even though I think their pairing is obviously fantastic, the fact that Siakam can put it on the floor, get his own shot is a huge deal for the Pacers to add that level of player to their team. And he can pass, which is something else I've been banging the drum on the Pacers of is they need a second guy to do that kind of stuff. As much mm. as they have guys who can, not all of them can do it consistently or every game, right? They 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 have a lot of talent. Miles Turner's been a good second guy a lot of the time. Matherin's done it sometimes. Aaron Neesmith's done it sometimes, right? But having one like, oh, this is who's doing it every game is the last thing. Last question for me before we get to yeah. Raptor. I have characterized his defense as average yeah. on this show this week. Well, did you say that's correct? Too high, too low? Is it waning? Where do you stand on that? Yeah, he's not the defender he used to be, right? If you go back to the bubble, for which he's much maligned for having a rough offensive <laughs> run against the Celtics in particular, and like rightly so, he was really bad on offense in that series. He was also like, that was one of the single best runs of defense I've ever seen a Toronto Raptor play. He made lineups that featured Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, and Norman Powell, one, two, and three, <laughs> viable against the Boston freaking Celtics in the playoffs. Because he was that good as a backline help guy, as a backline rim protector, as a small ball five. He's not that guy anymore. He he does not have the same juice as a defender. But I do think a part of his drop-off this season can probably be attributed to the fact that there was a giant cloud of uncertainty hanging over this team. 
and his future. And it was pretty clear he wasn't really in the long-term plans. We saw this happen with OG Ananobi the last month or so before he got traded to the Knicks. He was basically quiet quitting on defense. And then he goes to the Knicks and all of a sudden they're the best defense in the NBA. And Tom Thibodeau is like screaming in joy of, oh my God, I have a single, like a, a one-man defense to play with. This is incredible. Like I would imagine there'll be a bit of an uptick for Siakam in terms of the effort and stuff on defense coming to the Pacers. And he's like a smart defender, I'd say. He's not like going to be a sexy box score guy. He's not going to rack up the blocks. He's going to get, you know, your, a steal a game maybe. But he's just like a smart rotational guy. If you're sending two to the ball, he's really good at being that second guy with his length, kind of making those passes out of double teams really difficult. Um, you know, I, I think another thing too is he's gotten really good as just like a guy who can be in front of like a slippery wing or a slippery guard and kind of switch on in those situations and be totally fine and passable. He'll get blown by sometimes here and there. But I think for the most part, he's pretty quick laterally and can stay in front of guys. You know, he's not a bad defender by any means. He's, I think, average with peaks of pretty good, I think is how I'd kind of describe him. And I would hope that there will be more peaks for this Pacers team where, you know, he's playing next to a rim protector who makes a lot of sense. And he's going to be asked, I think, to do quite a bit on the defensive end. Yes. Playing next to Aaron Neesmith, I think, will be helpful as well. Like Neesmith, Siakam, Turner, Turner as a 3-4-5. Don't mind that at all as a sort of a defensive core for your team. The Pacers are still not going to be an amazing defense, but Siakam gives them a chance of being passable for sure. You know, filling in that spot better than Obi Toppin, that's for sure. <laughs> Since the Pacers <laughs> lost, now Raptors legend Thaddeus Young, and I have a question about him for you in a minute. Their their starting force have been like Sabonis and Justin Holiday and Obi Toppin and Jalen Smith. It's like these are fine players, but like not not good four defenders. Mm -hmm. Pascal Siakam is a fine four defender, so one that mm -hmm. helps that alone and two now everybody else is naturally playing the correct position defensively more often which i think is just as important as siakam's impact alone let's talk brucey e. b let's talk jordan wara let's i guess talk about kyra lewis although i can't really talk a lot about him but before <laughs> we talk about any of those people we got to talk about the lovely folks over at prize picture on the largest daily fantasy sports platform in north america it's very simple you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. For example, Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam's favorite front court ideal partner for more than or less than 28 points in a given game, or Trey Young on the not-so-fun-to-watch Atlanta Hawks for more than or less than 10 assists in a specific game. Perhaps not those exact lines, but you get the gist on prize fix. With football going on, you can do combo leagues. For example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made, plus receptions, more than or less than on that. And prize picks has their reboot policy, which they're proud to offer. So you can stay in your entries, even if one of your players gets hurt for football and basketball games. If a guy exits the game in the first half, doesn't return, you'll get rebooted, the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA and use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's a lot of money. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockdownNBA. Use the code LockdownNBA for a first deposit match up to $100 at PrizePix Daily Fantasy Sports made easy back here crossing it over locked on raptors locked on pacers sean this is fantastic i have to ask has has dad young done his famous quote that he does on every team he goes to where he says i like it here because my teammates aren't buttholes I feel like maybe that happened a couple of years ago. The Raptors last couple of seasons have been like a malaise of sadness. So I don't really like retain a lot of these things. It's just kind of like a blur. Uh, I'm sure he, you know, he, he, 
look, the team also had like weird vibes the last couple of seasons. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> warranted for him to say that. I hope it's in there somewhere. I'll have to go back in the backlog to see if he did. But yeah, uh, we love Thad Young. And now he's like playing basketball for the team again, which is bizarre, but kind of fun. He's like throwing down dunks and whatnot, playing small ball five, doing it, you know, medium effectively. But it's been, uh, you know, it's been a treat having Thad around it just as like a guy. It's, it's always nice to have a dude like that. Thad Young teammates aren't buttholes. Google search turns up that he said it about the Bulls and the Pacers and the Spurs. I certainly hope the Raptors have no butthole teammates. <laughs> if not, that speaks to the culture decay in Toronto over the last many years. It's a real crying shame. Uh, Tony, maybe I take the reins here and kind of grill you on some of these uh, Pacers dudes coming over to the Raptors in yep. this trade. I mean, I guess first, like, what was your reaction and what is sort of like the general consensus reaction to this trade? Because look, I I think I've made it clear. I'm not thrilled with the return. It also seems from a lot of the stuff I've read from, you know, people not like yourself or Caitlin Cooper who know what they're doing. Um, like, it seems like there's been a lot of really three first round picks for Pascal Siakam. That seems like a lot. There's like sticker shock to it without really looking at the context of what those picks look like or looking at the context of, what Pascal Siakam is as a basketball player. And for me, like, and I say this as lovingly as possible, if you don't like this return for the Pacers, where they didn't give up any of their promising young players to get Pascal Siakam on their team, I kind of think you're a lunatic. Am I, <laughs> like, do you agree with me on this? <laughs> I do. Here, Here's my biggest thesis of why I think the value is good. Just bear with me, right? The Pacers are already good this year, yeah. right? So the two picks they're trading to the Raptors this year are maybe in the bottom 10 of this draft. Let's mm -hmm. pretend that the next couple years don't go so well for some reason. And so in 2026, they have Tyrese Halberton at age 25 and then like a Matt team. Even that's going to return what? The 17th pick? Yeah. 18th pick, right? So, so the best asset the Raptors got in this trade potentially is the 18th pick in 2026, possibly. I'm like... That's a fantastic trade. <laughs> like, right. The, to me, right. the, 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 you know, and they protected the top picks. Like, I think the best stuff the Raptors could get would be like the fourth pick in 2026 or seven or something. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I think the value is fantastic. That's why I think that it's not so scary to give up three firsts because one of them is not their own and it's the worst of OKC, LAC, and they're both awesome, right? So even the risk mm -hmm. that one of them falls off, okay, the other one's still good. So that one's going to suck. And then the other two are, eh. You know, I think Zach Lowe talked about this. I'm sure you heard about this when he was talking about the Raptors when they traded OG. It's like people are going to be like, they could have got three firsts and they got quickly instead. It's like, how good Not are those Not all firsts? picks are the same. Not yeah. all firsts are created equal. We have to tattoo right. this on everybody's forehead who follows the <laughs> NBA, please. And quickly's great. He's really good. Yeah, man. Right? So, yeah. As yeah like that draft, could, that, that draft pick could be anybody. It could even be Emmanuel quickly, right? <laughs> like, yeah. God. We're so, so brain poisoned. It's ridiculous. Anyway. So that part alone, I'm like, okay, that's good. And you nailed the other part that's important is if they, if their team clicks now, that's great. They're already good. If they still feel like they need another piece to get awesome. Hey, they still have Ben Matherin, Jarris Walker, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nemhard, and th two tradable firsts to like do that. And Obi Toppin and Jalen Smith. And I, it's like, there's, it's fine. It's just how, fine. Like, how? Did the Raptors not even get Obi Toppin in this trade? A guy who is now blocked by Pascal Siakam. Jairus Walker, now blocked by Pascal Siakam, presumably for the next four or five years. Like, it, it's just, it's... Yeah, that... What kind of nudes of Masai Ujiri does Kevin Pritchard have? Like, it's like, like, Tuesday night, when we only had hmm. heard the Shams Amick report, my guess on Lockdown Pacers was that Obi was going to be some of the salary. To sure, get to, yeah. To before we not even Jay Smith! 
<laughs> yes, you get to, before wow. this Kyra Lewis part, which that's cool. I can't tell you anything about him. I think the Raptors designed him the G League today. There, we talked about Kyra Lewis. Yeah, we great. Did. We, um, we covered. Check the box. We're good. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, you know, you see three first and, you know, everybody's going to go, like, make that face. Like, what? But mm -hmm. I, I think it's a great trade for the Pacers value-wise, given they keep him and given it's not crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, it might have to be. The Pistons are going to... They have a lot of cap space. The Sixers have a lot of cap space, and that's unique, right? A good team. Mm -hmm. But presuming the Pacers can keep him, which every insider has suggested that that's going to be the case, mm -hmm. um, then yeah, it's fantastic, I think. And as as you know, Jordan Wara and Bruce Brown and Kyra Lewis are all expiring contracts. Like, no yeah. long-term value loss there either. So yeah, the return, I think, for the Pacers is very good, uh, as you've seen on the other side. Yeah, I mean, you got to have, like, in the NBA, if you're going to be a real team, you're going to have, probably have two max guys. And are the Pacers going out and shopping at the very top of the market for max guys? A, no, because free agency's dead, and Pascal Siakam is the best free agent this season anyway, if, assuming Paul George signs on. And, and B, like, again, like, you're the Pacers. Like, this is no shot against, you know, everyone, yeah. every Pacers fan knows, it's the same plight the Raptors have. You're just not signing high-end free agents. If Even you can a, get a guy in the door. Even if right. they re-sign him, it's the best signing in Pacers history. Exactly, right? And I also think, like, the fear of what Siakam is going to age like on his next deal is maybe a little overblown as well. Like, he's already had a bit of an athletic decline, and it has not affected his offense whatsoever. It's affected his defense, sure, but he's just, on offense, he's craft, he's guile, he's angles, he's, like, a really, he's kind of like big man DeMar DeRozan, frankly. Like, there's a lot of similarities between those two former Raptors legends, and DeMar's aged beautifully because he's crafty he's just like he's got the old man game Pascal Siakam is going to be schooling dudes at the Y when he's 55 with his old man game and I think at the very worst he ages by the end of this contract into being something slightly less than a max player sure but I don't think he's going to like fall off a cliff by any means he's been very durable throughout his career for the most part even with a couple of big injuries they've kind of happened in the offseason or early in seasons and stuff like that and he's been able to return uh, you know, he led the league in minutes over the last three seasons combined. Like he he racks up the minutes, he plays a ton, and he usually stays pretty healthy. I, I think, you know, yeah, maybe by the end of his deal when he's 33, 34, he's not the same player he is now. But you got at least two or three years of, I think, prime Pascal Siakam left. And then, you know, you'll still have Tyrese Halliburton, who's going to be giving you way more than the, the, the surplus of max value or whatever yeah. we're talking about here. And they also have all these young guys who can fill in and be sort of cheaper role players on the margins as well. I think it's just a, it's, it's a perfect fit all around. Let me ask you about some of the guys coming to the Raptors here. Uh, yes. You know, Bruce Brown, obviously. My question, is he the coolest player in the world? Uh, I, like, one game in, I'm infatuated. I hope the Raptors don't trade him. Um, you know, I got got into this a little earlier on the episode on the solo part I do. Um, so if you're on the Raptors feed, you hear my thoughts on why they should just keep Bruce Brown. But, uh, you know, he, he just seems extremely rad. I can't imagine it was like, a thrill for the Pacers to give up on a guy like that. I know he hasn't been incredible this season and maybe hasn't been worth the 22 million buck balloon payment, but uh, he just oh. seems like a pretty awesome dude to have around and a guy who just knows how to play basketball. Yeah. Okay. Here's my 22 million argument. If you <laughs> know when you're signing a guy that you have to clear the salary floor and you could trade him for Pascal Siakam, I think he's worth every penny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You saw the peak. Why I've been higher on Bruce Brown than Pacers fans game from him against the bulls last night. Okay. Yeah. He, he can do a lot of stuff, right? With the yeah. Nets, he was a center, which is crazy because he's short. With the Pistons, he was like this weird cutting wing. 
everything's weird with the Pistons. And with the Nuggets, he was a backup point guard. So he's kind of played every role his whole career. So you can put him out there in a lot of ways and expect mm. good things. And so what that leads to is a lot of times it's like you get and he's a good defender. So you can have him out there in so many lineups, so many roles, and he's going to give you positive value. Where fans got down on him with the Pacers is he was playing through this knee injury in in December and his shooting splits dropped a lot. And admittedly, not, not making shots is a bad thing, but sure, like like cut that out of it, right? From the time he from de- December fourth to when he left and stopped playing because of his injury, he shot thirty nine percent for ten games. Like it was rough. But the thing that always impressed me about him, and I think is why I value him as a player more than other people, is he doesn't mess up, right? Yeah. He does not make like he's out of position and lost on defense mistakes. He's clogging up the paint on paint on offense mistakes he's over dribbling or under dribbling or his his timings off like he doesn't mess up and he doesn't turn it over that much his turnover rate with the Pacers was pretty low it's always been a, like the last three years about 10 percent and then he goes to the Raptors first game of course he made shots so it looks good but 15.7 rebounds one assist zero turnovers didn't mess yeah. up that much has been on the team for you know a, a skip and a hop right like that is just why I value his, valued him as a player so much is he can defend and he doesn't mess up. He's just smart and heady. And I think that's really valuable as a player. And the shot might come and go. It's not his strength. But because he can play, wear so many hats and not mess up, you can do anything with him. Yeah, I think, you know, you don't happen into becoming an extremely essential player on the NBA champions by accident, <laughs> yes, right? Like, yes. he's like an elite knows where to stand guy, which is like a, a really important test to pass. It's boring, as a blue but guy. it's so valuable. Yeah, like, look, man, the NBA, I know we all just want all the stars and all the dudes who do the points and all that. Like, you got to have glue. You got to have connectors. You got to have guys who grease the wheels for others, who can finish plays, who can do the smart stuff that keep possessions moving and Bruce Brown very much does all that on top of just being extremely cool and rad. Like he's like, did he, I, I did think, he wear a cowboy hat last night? He did not. He wore a Colorado avalanche hat, which also oh, he loved handy. the abs. He's got an abs Jersey too. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. yeah that's uh, I mean, look, man, he, he's, I think around similar ages to us, he's a little <laughs> bit younger, but that was, that was the team, man, that the team with the purple and the teal, that was the cool team back in the yeah. day. I understand that again, great taste. Bruce Brown, country music, he's cool. hockey, he's going to fit into <laughs> anywhere he goes. Right. Um, and everyone hates the Leafs this year. So I don't think it'll be bad. He has different, <laughs> uh, like allegiances hockey wise oh, either. Sad. Let me ask you about Jordan Ward to get out of here. Um, yep. Obviously, you know, lost his rotation spot a little bit this season with all of the different forward depth they have had there. Obi Toppin and, and, you know, on down the line. He had a nice little run of 24 games last year where he put up numbers on a Pacers team that wasn't really doing a whole lot down the stretch, obviously. Um, where are you at? With Jordan Wara and his potential to be a piece for the Raptors, obviously his deal's up at the end of the season. It's going to be kind of audition time for him here with Toronto. They need a six-eight wing. They just traded all of the ones they had, <laughs> and like so now that he's like kind of feeling a vacuum there. Um, you know, I, I think he's probably going to get some run and some bench looks here for the Raptors. But uh, curious, you know, is there any sort of optimism you can uh, share for Toronto Raptors fans to feel good about the addition of Jordan Wara as part of this trade? Optimism, he can score. He can freaking mm. put the ball in the basket, right? His whole career, even with the Bucks when he won a championship, like those guys were like, yeah, dude, we know that Jordan's a great offensive player, you know? And <laughs> that that 24 games he had after being traded to the Pacers last year when he was in their rotation, he was like starting sometimes and scoring 15 points every night. Like he was really good on inside the arc. His passing was better. Like sometimes it just takes opportunity and he clicks. He's not a good defensive player. You know, that is where his weakness lies. He's not the quickest dude. He lost a bunch of weight this past summer. I think he got down to like 210, 215-ish, which helped mm-hmm. him play the three and the four, which is pretty valuable. 
Um, but he still has work to do on that end. But I mean, he that dude can make shots from like anywhere, right? And that is, of course, a valuable-ish thing in the NBA for a minute until Tyrese Halliburton was like, oh yeah, I'm the best player ever. He had the Pacers franchise record for points in a quarter, right? He had 25 Crazy. in the third quarter in Atlanta. Like he can just go off. That's the kind of player he is. So, you know, if you can refine his defense or positioning, he could be really interesting as like a bench forward. I think he can be on a bad team right now. Uh, he's mm -hmm. just got to be a better defender because his offense, even this year, it's down and he still had some nice games uh, playing. And and I, I always kind of feel for guys like him who have an established trash rec track record. Because, trash record. <laughs> trash record. I feel bad for that one. Track record because now when he plays, because he's not in the rotation, he's like trying to prove himself, right? So like, right. you're not, it's not natural. He was good for the Pacers last year, but like they drafted Jairus, which makes sense. And then the, if you can get Obi Toppin for two crappy seconds, like you do that. So even if those weren't like plan A and B for the Pacers, just fell into their lap that they got good fours. So they're not going to play him over those guys, which they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. So he didn't do anything wrong. It just, it just stunk for him that he couldn't play anymore, which is gutting, but yeah, he's a pro about it. He had a good game last week. And I think one of his last games, they played the wizards is the wizards, but he right. played well for the Pacers. Um, so I, I, I think he'll be better than people expect with the Raptors, but he's certainly fighting for like proving he can belong long-term somewhere. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Uh, I think that's about all I got for you, man. I, I feel like we've covered this from all angles. I don't know if you have any last parting Ooh. shots or if you just want to take this thing out, but I'll, I'll hand it over to you, my friend. Pascal might play for the Pacers against the Blazers. We'll see his physicals done. Uh, so Raptors fans and Pacers fans who want to see him perhaps tonight, perhaps later, we'll see. I know that's not very enlightening. but perhaps. I'm going to watch so much freaking Pacers basketball, man. <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, man. I'm going to be a little sicko just sitting in for that Midwest stuff. Uh, what, what is like a, what's like a Indianapolis staple food I can eat while watching my new favorite team, huh? <laughs> a tenderloin. <laughs> Don't laugh. You eat tenderloin and I'll eat poutine and we'll call it a day. That's that sounds fantastic. Poutine's overrated, but that's fine. Don't uh, the, 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 look. It's fine. It's fine. no 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 comment. You can find Sean on the former app known as Twitter at Woodley Sean and Locked On Raptors. You can find there as well. Daily podcast covering the Toronto Raptors as they enter a new era where Chris Boucher is the only player from their championship team. Very weird. Locked On Pacers is on. Twitter at Lockdown Pacers, and I am there at Tony R. East if you'd like to keep up with the Pacers and Pascal Siakam. Thank you all for listening to this episode of both of our shows, and we'll both see you soon.